get your Bibles out. Uh, why don't you stand with me for a moment? You've already been sitting for too long, so stand back up. And uh, uh, I read this first scripture. Let us consider one another. Read it. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You'll never see you'll never see the works that God wants you to do until you start considering others. It's not just about me. Right? My works are poured out to others. Consider others. Consider, don't, don't consider yourself better than anybody. All right? I'm not better than anybody. You know, we could heal racism in the world if people would come to Jesus. You, can't, you will not be able to put enough laws on the book to cancel racism. But when people come to Jesus, you can't help but love each other and consider, consider others better than yourself. Ain't nobody better than me. Get saved. You'll figure it out. Okay? So. Today, I want to, um, I want to preach from the topic, uh, Jesus, help me. The best is yet to come. And, uh, and it's out of Hebrews, but I want to read a great deal of Hebrews this scripture, beginning in verse number one. Would you read out loud with me? And listen, as you're reading, I want you to be challenged by this teaching. I want you to be challenged in your heart. You ready? Read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Stop. Okay? Say that. Everything that hinders... And the sin. Stop asking if it's a sin. Ask her, ask if it's a hindrance. Okay? All right. Keep reading. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now we're going to skip down to verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Stop. Read that again. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Now, there's some people you're going to struggle with because they deny your Jesus. Okay? But nope, you'll never live with peace with anybody until all of you come to Christ. You make every effort. You got that? Keep reading. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So the command is be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Somebody thank God for the cross. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Stop, just stop. Just embrace that scripture for a moment. Okay? So the thing is, is you can't have it both ways. Did you read that? Can't have it both ways. The Lord will settle some things in your heart. He'll heal you. Somebody say amen. He'll heal you. You want to read the rest of this? Because I'm going down to verse 25 to set us up for this message. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Even, excuse me, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? And at that time, his voice shook the earth. Stop, stop. Let's read that together. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised... Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. 
The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all for our God is a consuming fire. Read that. Our God is a consuming fire. One more time. Our God is a consuming fire. You pick the fire you're going to be consumed with. Jesus. Jesus. Father, come now as we receive this word change our lives. We surrender ourselves to your word in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Be seated. The best is yet to come. Church seems uh, sad sometimes. Fearful. Hiding out. Powerless. Have you noticed that? Just signs on churches. Closed. Closed. Some of them struggling with the law in order to open. Can I preach the truth today? Is that all right? Almost as if they are speaking for the broken world that we are living in. Now, I'm fine. Got these. Got new ones, as a matter of fact. I needed my ears stick back. Sometimes when I put my mask on, my ears just come forward like that. So I got got some new ones a little bit more clear. I told you I had some, some new ones. They sent us some that were kind of faded, and I told them that's fine, and didn't complain, just let them know, notice they were faded, sent them a picture, and they said, we're so sorry, we're going to send you another batch free of charge, and make them even more clear, thank you very much for those who did that, but while I'm saying this, and while we're masking up, and and all, uh, I want this pandemic, I want this virus gone, can I get an amen? But I am glad that people are seeking God in their homes. I am glad. I'm very thankful for my online community, the, the great uh, line that uh, community that we have that's watching with us right now uh, and has watched with us today. I'm so blessed. And, and as I, but, but even as I say that, I don't want people, even if you are being responsible and caring for yourself because of autoimmune disorders and other things, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to live in fear. Don't want you to live in fear. Not just individually, but as a church. Because if you're fearful, it impacts me. And if I'm fearful, it impacts you. Because we are the body of Jesus Christ. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, stay with me. Freedom, I'm grateful that freedom is growing. I mentioned this earlier. You know, I've had pastors ask the question, are you baptizing people during this time? And I'm saying, yeah. Somebody suggested maybe a water hose from 10 feet away. I could just, name of Jesus, you know. But no, we fill up the baptistry and we baptize people. If you have not been baptized and you want to be baptized, if you confess Christ, let me know. I will take you into the tub and baptize you. It is, uh, it is our responsibility as the body of Christ. You can wear your mask or scuba gear, whatever you need to, but we need to baptize people. Can I get an amen? amen. We're seeing, as you saw today, additions to the church. We're also seeing greater prayer. I'm experiencing one thing, greater unity. I'm experiencing greater unity in the body. I'm also, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, I am not only experiencing, but I am anticipating from my past, I'm anticipating in the future a greater manifestation of the power of God than we've ever experienced before. So who likes ice cream? Who likes chocolate ice cream? Okay, so who's helping me with this? Oh, here she comes. Now, she doesn't have much, so you better lift your hand as she's coming in the door, okay? All right, so some of you know, I only got, I only got 10 on the plate. And they're just tiny little samples like you'd get at Sam's Club. Anybody ever been to Sam's Club before? Because here's the fact. You go to Sam's Club, I don't think they're doing it right now. Diana, they're screaming over here. They are screaming at you. I'm so glad I'm not doing this, okay? Uh, uh, oh, my I am so sorry for those of you who did not get some. I am so sorry. I am so very, 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 very sorry. I, hey, 
Sis, back here on the back, I owe you some after church, okay? I owe you some, all right? So I'll get you another cup. So nobody else. So here's the deal. You could go to Sam's Club in a day when there's not pandemic, and you know they set up these little carts all over the place, and they give you just a little taste. Here's the, here's the, here's the idea I had. If you can't afford lunch, just go to Sam's Club and go to every one of them. And just get a spoonful here and a spoonful there, a cracker over here, some cheese over here, a little square pizza somewhere else. Don't get hungry right now because you'll notice that all I gave you was a little bit. And that is Briar's chocolate truffle ice cream. I may have had about three scoops of that last night before I went to bed and it helped me to sleep. And... If you like that, you can get it at a grocery store. Anybody heard of a grocery store? You can go to a grocery store in the Briars section and you can get it. But if you do, if that small amount was good, wait till you get a whole gallon of that stuff. Wait till you get four or five scoops in a bowl. Wait till you, if you think church was good in the past, wait till you see what God is doing in the future. Listen, what you have experienced is a foretaste of some things that God is wanting to do. And I'm telling you, God's word is true. And, And when I read God's word and you read it with me, I'm reminded of this. Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. What I have said, I will do. I will perform what I have said that I will do. Anybody still agree with me on this? Are, are you beginning to just kind of, you know, shove to the side some of the promises of God's word? Are you beginning to think that God was just, you know, he was just trying to encourage people a little bit, and sometimes he spoke in a sort of an exaggerative prophetic way. No, God's word is settled in heaven. I want more of Jesus and I want the will of Christ to be performed in this earth through my life. I want God to do stuff through me. So I'm going to pray for stuff for you. I'm going to pray for God to do good things in your life. And you may or may not receive that You say, well, that's impossible. Remember, Jesus went to Nazareth once, and while he was in his hometown, he couldn't perform any miracles except one. He got to do one miracle. Why not? And he said, because he was amazed at such little faith. And can I tell you, it amazes me, the little faith that Christians have these days. It blows me away. How many know God can do greater things than you've even asked? Does anybody know that? Blows me away. In order to see God's power in his plan... I told you this last week. Get it together. Somebody shout it. Get it together. We need to make unity a priority in the body of Christ. It's like, I really like that church because they have such unity. I'm saying, so you have church, but you don't have unity? How do you do that? It becomes a cheap substitute of what God wanted it to be. You're just getting little samples I recall, in fact, I have given thanks to God personally for troubles that I've had in my past. Some things that I've went through. Anybody ever went through anything? You were just miserable during a time and you got through it and God taught you some things and you look back and you say, all things work together for good. Those who serve the Lord are the called according to his purpose. A little Romans 8, 28, don't hurt nobody, okay? In other words, if I'm going through something, God has purpose. So you give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks. And I did. I had a, I had a moment. I was dealing with, uh, with, with someone, and, and after I got off uh, the phone, I, I dealt with them for a while. I looked over at Diane. I said, baby, I am so thankful for that season of fear and anxiety that God brought me through. Because if I had not gone through it, I would not know how to raise somebody else back out of it. Aren't you glad that God took Moses through something, brought him out, and then he took him back in to bring other people out? Some of you have gone through some stuff, and I'm telling you, God brought you out so he could take you back in and bring others out. Am I right, Chris? God will take you out. And he'll bring you back in. You say, well, I'm so, I don't even want to talk to people who got that mess in their life anymore. No, God wants to use you to do greater things than you imagine. Last week, again, I talked about getting it together. Yet still many people are struggling 
with the simple and clear call and prayer of the Lord Jesus for us to get it together. Shout it again, get it together. Just wants us, we're struggling with this. And again, I'm going to remind you, we are the body of Jesus Christ. And when we receive communion at the closing of our gathering today, it is to remind you that we are one with him and we are one with one another. And you say, well, what if I have forgiveness? I'm saying, what are you doing with unforgiveness and bitterness issues? You're a part of the body of Jesus Christ. You can't have an ought against your brother and feel like you're an effective part of the body of Jesus. Forgive those people that have hurt you, said other things against you. We don't have time for unforgiveness in the body of Christ. There's time for that. Don't make me preach right now too much. I will get crazy. I'm, I'm feeling crazy in my heart right now. Would you get over your political issues right now? Would you stop allowing individuals who may not even know Jesus Christ, who you think are your heroes right now, to separate you from one another in the body of Christ? Would you stop being so this or so that? I'm telling you, I have seen the presidential candidates, and I don't think either one of them look like Jesus. You'll put a little something, something on your Facebook, get all mad, get nasty. I look at it and I pray for you, but one day I'm going to start writing stuff. What you need to do is get saved and forgive one another and stop putting your politics ahead of the body of Jesus Christ. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Rebuke you. But it's election time and people vote for someone. Stop! Stop! You pray during this season that God would raise up the right individual to lead us in this next season. And you pray for all the candidates. You pray for the president. I'm praying that president ain't my president. Stop. Thank God somebody prayed for you before you got saved. When he asked, have you seen how you've acted before? How many have ever been snippy before? I feel a little snippy right now. Anybody? You pray, for, you pray for the president. You pray for him. You pray for his cabinet. You pray for him. I ain't pray for him. Don't make me jump down here. There's a pandemic going on. I can't slap you right now, but you know what I'm saying. You pray. You pray. You pray for, 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 for uh, Joe Biden. You pray for him, okay? You pray for whatever candidate, okay? If you're voting for me, pray for me, okay? But... I would not stoop to be the president when God has already raised me to be a pastor. I just wouldn't. I just... Unity. Somebody shout unity. See, I jumped. Unity. There's got to be unity in the body of Christ. Are you hearing me online? Unity. Somebody shout unity. We're united in Christ. We're united in Christ. Jesus. And it's the great commandment. You don't sometimes realize it. But the, the, the unity of the great commandment is you shall love the Lord your God. Now read the next part because we skip through this. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Stop. Some people say, well, I love God. I didn't say that you have warm feelings towards heaven. I love God. I love God just like you do. No, you don't. He said, here's his commandment, love God with all your heart. What? Your mind, your will, your emotions. And then he says, your, your soul. You said, but my soul's broken. Love him even with those broken places. With your soul. With all, I don't have time to preach on all of these. With all your mind, your thoughts. Amen. And then he adds strength. So what you do, do for God. Wave at me with all my strength. Some people think, well, I love God. That's all that matters. But are you loving him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? That denotes actions. That, right? Is your mind on God or is your mind on money? Because you can't serve both. So we're to love God. We're to love each other. Now, this is not an emotional message, but this is just the way we see God move. If love is just a feeling, you don't need strength. Okay? If that's all it is. 
So your love of God, look at me, so I teach you this. Loving God is not just a feeling that you have. It's not just an emotion. It's the way that you live. So say this again. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Say that. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's, I love God with everything I have. If you're working, your work is as unto the Lord. Okay? All right. So how many of you believe that every prayer the Lord Jesus prays is answered? Okay, so he prayed, and we were in this a little bit. But Jesus prayed for unity. And he prayed this way in John 17. Now look at this. My prayer is not for them alone. Speaking of his disciples, his apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message of the apostles. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. Now, I've tried to preach on that during this Stirred Up series. I'm not sure that we've got it yet. It sounds foreign to us because we don't pray for those who we have not seen. But do you notice that he's praying for people that have not been born yet? He's praying for people who will not be born for generations. Oh, do you see that he's praying for me? Do you see that he's praying for you right now? In that scripture, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for you. You ought to pray for your children, your grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, and and as many as the Bible says, as many as are afar off. Jesus prayed for me, and he prayed that they would be one with him, that as he and the Father were one, also he prayed that we would be one with him and one with one another. See, Jesus had us on his mind, and there's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. People are going to write the word of God. How many believe in the Bible? Anybody believe the Bible is the truth? Wave at me if you believe the Bible is the truth, okay? So if you don't believe the Bible is the truth, not only, here's one thing, you have never studied the Bible, because if you study the Bible, you will find out it's absolutely the truth. And I'm not just saying read all of the Bible. I'm saying if you study where the Bible came from, if you study uh, translations and tra- transliterations, if you go to the miracle of a little boy, a shepherd, who was walking through a desert uh, near the Dead Sea, And he heard a sound and he walked into a cave and walked deeper into the cave and he found these huge vessels with scrolls that were inside of them and he pulled them out and he started taking them out and found out it was the ancient scrolls that had been written by the scribes. I'm talking all the way to the Old Testament, the words of Isaiah written on a scroll. Yes! And they compared them to what we read today. And they're saying, ain't a lot of difference here. It looks like it's the same word. Somebody praise God. I had the privilege one day going into a museum in Jerusalem and or by the Dead Sea and viewing those. And looking at it. Was, I was just praising Jesus. I mean, praise God. Can I just... Look, what I'm telling you is some people need to realize that the word of God is absolutely true. It was written as men of old were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. Somebody thank God and and thank the Lord that there were individuals in church history who sat down and for days, hours, no, months and years carefully and as a scribe to to, uh, misinterpret or to not uh, write it correctly it would it is the greatest dishonor i mean we write so fast and we don't really even care you don't even use an ink pen i mean but but what i'm telling you is that we have the word of god god prayed for them they received this word they moved in great power so that you would have that word in your hand and in your heart today and you would know jesus but more clearly he prayed that all of that would bring about oneness. He prayed that we would be one as the Father and the Son are one in John 5 and 30. He says, by myself, I can't do anything. You want to say that? By myself, I can't do anything. Jesus said that. Now, could Jesus do anything? 
He says, by myself, I can do nothing. It's not that he could not do anything. It's that he wouldn't do anything. Anybody born again right now? And there are some things that you cannot do. Wave at me. Some things you cannot do. It's not that in your flesh you couldn't do them. It's that you can't because you've been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And you're tempted on occasion. Somebody say, oh, you're just religious. You can do it. What's the Bible say about that? It's not about the, what just all the Bible says. It's that the Holy Spirit has constrained me. He has. So Jesus could only do those things that the Father told him to do. The Bible says, he said in, in verse 38 of John 6, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And he constantly in the, in the New Testament, he says things like that. I only do what the Father says. I'm only telling you what the Father says. So everything is connected to him. In, in verse 7 of Hebrews 10, this statement, Then I said, Here I am. I have come to do your will, O God. Say that with me. Here I am. I have come to do your will, O God. I have come. What are you here for? To do your will, O God. When you leave here, what do you want to do? Okay, next time you're in a fuss with your wife, ask God what his will is. You hear me? Ask him what his will is. I've come to do your will. Man, I, I need to just stay right there and preach for a while, it sounded like. so. Now notice also something else in Acts 1 and 15. Uh, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, and there was a group numbering about 120. How many have ever heard 120? How many were in the upper room? 120. It's a good number, isn't it? I think it's a lovely number. Let's do a little numerology study. No. Let's just look at 120 and ask ourselves the question. Wasn't there about 500 people that saw Jesus after he raised from the dead? Where are those boys and girls? Where'd they go? Are they home? Are they having a pizza party or something? What's going on? And while I'm asking that question, what about the 5,000 that were fed on the mountain that day? Where are those people? Where are the people, all those people that were healed and set free? What about all those people that had palm branches waving them at him, waving them at Jesus as he came into Jerusalem for Passover. Where are all those people? Why only 120? Because there were 120 that could be in one accord to receive what God promised. There were some people that weren't inclined. And I know you say, well, where? What's going on in the church world today? And why is it shrunk down? I want more people to come to Christ. But I am believing that God has us where we are for a time like this. While we're busy saying, where's everybody else? Why don't we say this? God, why don't you pour your spirit out upon those of us that you will pour your spirit out? Why is it that we haven't seen the power of God on display like we saw it in those days? It's not because God is not going to do it. But I believe that God is bringing us to another, to a new level of unity like we have never been to before. We've been playing with the word of God, actually pretending. If I can just entertain you enough, maybe you'll all come to church. If Pastor Rick just give out more ice cream on a Sunday, I'll come for the ice cream. What do you mean you're not giving out coffee right now? We usually give out coffee in our hospitality room. But did you come just because we got some of the best singers in the world? Did you come? just because Pastor Rick looks so handsome up there in his light-colored jacket on a Sunday morning? Is that what you came for? I mean, what did you come for? I came because we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I need to be connected with you and you and you and you and all of you online. I need to be connected with you. We need to be one, and if we will seek him and call upon him, my expectation are rising right now. I am anticipating things that we've seen in the past happen in greater numbers in the future. I'm going to give you some scripture to back myself up if you'll stay with me. I love uh, these statements in scripture. I mean, um, in, uh, in, in, in verse 26, we see a better gathering. 
The scripture is, is a direct response. He says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. How's he going to shake them? With his voice. Somebody say with his voice. He's comparing that to Moses. The voice of God shook the mountain. The people were too afraid to come up. His voice. But there's coming a greater shaking. You guys want the word of God? Come on, I preached on the three little pigs last week. So come on, say with me. I... This scripture is a direct response and literally a quote from Haggai. In verse 6 and 7, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more I will shake heaven and earth. Once more. Somebody say once more. The sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So this prophetic word, it's interesting because if you're searching for context on this scripture, Israel had been in, in captivity for many years. The temple had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was no longer around. The Persians had taken over the Babylonian Empire. Cyrus is now the king. He's the king of Persia. And you remember, you know, some of the stories, Nehemiah, you know, some of that. So what they're wanting to do is rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls. And, uh, and so some people get excited, but then there's difficulty. There's like this nagging resistance from the locals. Anybody, I'd serve God if my neighbors would just leave me alone. You know, that's... So they, they have struggles in building. It's become very, very difficult. And so Haggai makes this statement. And then he, but he also says, if you go on down to verse 9, he says, you're going to build this temple. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, there is a struggle with this. Now, the struggle with this is you have to be careful that you don't see the connection from Hebrews to Haggai. you got to see the connection here. So which temple is he speaking of? What is he speaking of? Because how many remember that there was a temple that Solomon built? David wanted to build a temple, but Solomon built the temple. And that temple, nothing to compare with that particular temple. The gold, the silver, all of it just spectacular. The walls and the treasury of it was spectacular. And when they dedicated the first temple, they brought in sacrifice and the glory of God fell. And people could not even stand up. They fell on their faces. They couldn't even stand inside of the temple because of the manifest glory of God. Now, now historically... Uh, there is another temple built, and that is this temple that is that the, this temple that is being built uh, by those who leave exile under King Cyrus. And the word comes out this way. Sometimes, however, people don't know what the prophetic word is saying because you want it to mean something that it doesn't mean. So the latter temple will be greater than the former. So they built another temple, but can I tell you that next temple did not compare to Solomon's temple. They did not have the glory of the Lord fall in that temple like it did in Solomon's temple. It wasn't as big. It wasn't as beautiful. It wasn't as strong. It wasn't. And eventually we'll have another temple. Herod will build one up. And that temple, that nope, not anything compared to Solomon's temple. Now, Jesus talked about temples. You might remember this in John 2 and 19. Jesus is, uh, has walked away. Uh, or, or Jesus has been talking about the temple, and he makes this statement. He says, you destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. So what is he talking about when he says that? He's saying that if you put me on the cross, watch, three days later, I will rise Again, but he's not just talking about his body. He said, you haven't seen the temple that you're going to see. 
Colossians, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Your body is the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Not just you, and not just you, and not just you, but he dwells in us corporately. That's what he's saying. He's saying if when you come together and my spirit rests in all of you, you are going to see a greater outpouring, greater than anything that happened in Solomon's day. The last temple, our temple, the temple that we are a part of is the greatest temple that has ever or will ever be built. Anybody want to praise God for this word? Compare Moses and the priest in the temple. The Lord said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And then he goes on and he says, he says, people will come to the desire of all nations and will fill this temple with glory. The glory he refers to occurs during the time of the shaking. The shaking. Are you with me in this? Am I going too deep for anybody? The shaking and the glory are something that are happening together where everything that can be shaken will be shaken and then the latter is greater than the former. They can't be talking about, not only they can't be talking about Herod's temple uh, or Nehemiah's temple, they also cannot be talking about what happened in the first church. Because Hebrews is written in AD 68. We've already seen that outpouring on Pentecost. So he's not just talking about that time. He's pointing to the future and he's saying, I'm going to impact the nations and I'm going to show my voice as mighty and I'm going to do it through my temple, my church, my body. You kill me. I'll raise up after three days and I will perform greater things than you've ever seen before. Greater prayer, greater worship, greater outreach, greater godliness, greater anointing, greater things. I I know we have some great history, but I want to tell you on this Sunday morning, the best is yet to come. You've seen God do some stuff. You've heard some stories about reformation. You've seen what God did in the first church, but I'm telling you from what I read in his word, the best is yet to come to come. I'm talking about an incoming from every tribe, every tongue, every nation as this church becomes a lighthouse like we have never seen before in history. Ecclesiastes 3. Remember the scripture? The end of a thing is better than the beginning. Say it with me. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. The end of a thing We're going to get greater and greater. A better gathering, a better influence. Acts 3.20, times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Peter's preaching. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. But he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets. I love these words of prophecy from the apostle Peter. Jesus must remain till something happens. He cannot come back until something that our Father has promised has occurred. The promise is the restoration, the temple, the restoration of the temple, the splendor, the honor, the majesty of God is to be abundant. Imagine a church, imagine the body of Christ so unified, so powerful that we could see entire cities, oh, States, oh, nations shaken by the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody want this? Oh, I mean, the enemy's going to be really busy. Somebody said, well, the devil's not going to do anything. Would you stop worrying about the devil for five minutes? Would you stop looking at the bad headlines every day? Maybe you need to stop watching the news altogether and start watching Jesus for a little while. Honestly, I have not seen the great power of God manifested like I have read about in Acts. I haven't. I read about it. I mean, when I think about it, you know, I I know that these are powerful things. But what I'm saying is I'm expecting 
a greater move. Cliff, it's so good to see you at church today. I love you, my brother. I have great elders and leaders here at Freedom. And I was, uh, while I was reading this, I went back to, Mark, uh, to March uh, 2000 and, or 2020, March 15, 2020, and went back and just listened to that service again. That's right. I go back and listen. Every Sunday night, my wife, we open up service. We re-listen to services, listen to other services. Say, so you guys do that? Have you been in church? Yeah. We're crazy like that. I even read the Bible during the week. Amen. You know? So here we are. It's the last Sunday before the pandemic gets up in full swing. The last Sunday that we can gather together. And we turned it into a prayer time and had different people lined up. And one was praying after another. And it was powerful. Every prayer was powerful. But then Cliff started prophesying. Uh, He was standing right over here. And uh, the prophecy. In the prophecy, you referenced Haggai. I don't know if you remember it, Cliff. But uh, Haggai, who had told the people to rebuild the temple... And the shaking. And the word was, don't look to the left or the right, but go and do those things that I have told you to do. And do not just stand and look, but move. Take action. See and understand. I, I'm not saying it with an emotion that Cliff did that Sunday. Let me start again. Don't look to the left or the right. But go and do those things that I've told you to do. And do not just stand and look, but move. Take action. See and understand that the Lord your God is the Alpha and the Omega. He shows us that He is the beginning and the end. And He says, it is not the end. I don't know, did you get the context? He is the Alpha and the Omega. And He shows us the beginning and the end And this is not the end. This is a new thing that I do. Have I not told you? Have I not told you? Have I not told you that those things that would be shaken and they will fall? And the Lord says, that is me. And I will raise up my people to do those things that they are supposed to do. That was the last prophetic word. Oh, we've had some other prophetic things happen. On the last Sunday before I was preaching to an empty sanctuary. And we were challenged to say, this is it. And God says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, not you. Okay. Um. Wrapping this up. What are we really here for? What do you want to see? Anybody love God's word? You ought to speak it sometime. All the time. Patricia, all the time. I ought to speak it all the time. All the time. Yeah, just tell them. Teasing you, sweet guys. (laughs) Somebody say all the time. time. Speak the word of God. There's power in God's word. Say it. There's power in God's word. Power in God's word. How many believe that? When you speak God's word, you think there's power in it. There's this story. In fact, I got up this morning and the scripture was just all on my mind. It's John chapter 9 verse 4. Jesus says, I must work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is the day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Just read that. Say that out loud. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now stop. You read that for Christ. Now read that. I want you to read that and speak it for yourself. Okay? I must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now the Lord illustrates this with somebody who is blind who didn't have to be blind. Because the disciples brought a blind man who wanted to be healed to Jesus. And they said, why is this guy blind? Is it because of 
something he did or sin of his parents. And Jesus said, no, it's not A or B, it's C. It's so that I can work the works of him who sent me. He is here so you will see the power of God. Because I have to do this now while it is day. I don't know if you noticed, but the sun came up this morning. Did anybody notice that? The sun came up this morning. Now watch. Watch what else. He goes on. In verse 6, we hear the story. When he has said these things, he spit on the ground. Says spat, but whoever says that. He spit on the ground and made clay with his spit, with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay that he made. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. Now, you know the rest of the story. He came back seeing. So he spit. All right. Anybody ever listen to anybody spit? I'm spitting right now. I don't know if you realize that. I mean, he said, no, you're not. That's why you're sitting six feet away from everybody. Because when people talk, they droplets go out. You think God doesn't know that? He knows that. It's the truth. When you speak, spitting is evidence that you're, if you didn't have any saliva, you wouldn't have a voice. So the saliva is indicative of the word of God. So he takes his saliva, leans down and gets some dirt and makes some clay And puts it on a man who cannot see. And says, I want you now to go to Siloam. A pool that means sent ones. And if you wash your eyes with my word. Then when your eyes are open, you'll come out of that water with something to say and something to do. Spit on me, Jesus. Amen. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Who wants to say, spit on me, Jesus? I, I... But speak. Speak the word of God. Now, the word of God has come to you this morning, not so you'll go away and say, well, that was a good word. Because he has, through this vessel, placed his word upon you so you'll not be blind to think church is just something that you come to on occasion. You are the body of the Lord Jesus and you can't be blind to the things of this world. You've got to open up your eyes. Somebody say open up your eyes. And when you open up your eyes, you'll become sent ones. And somebody say, well, what is that? If you remember when Jesus was praying, he prayed for them. And in, uh, in John 17, he prayed for his disciples. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them. In, in, in John 20, 21, Jesus said, Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. So we have the disciples who become apostles. And we call people apostles. Yeah, apostles. Apostles. Say it, apostles. And this is apostle so-and-so, and we all do reverence to them. Apostle. We love it when people have terms in front of their names. It makes us feel special when we're near them. Apostle means sent ones. Stop it. What if we just called them sent ones? Would they still write it before their names? I am sent one Rick. Well, I'm a sent one too. See, the problem with this is we get certain people and decide that they are the only ones who are supposed to be doing anything in the kingdom of God. And you don't realize that you are just as sent as I am sent. I'm a pastor. You know what that means? That means I am a shepherd. That means I clean stables. That's what it means. It means I I wash sheep. I make sure that wolves don't get them. I watch over the body of Christ. I have some apostolic things, God, showing up in my life over the last few years, but I want you to know that mostly, however you, whatever you call me, my name is Rick, and I was blind, and the Lord spit on my face. I went and got washed, and now I have been sent. And in these days, when the world is being shaken, 
I'm going to be busier than I've ever been. I'm going to see people saved, set free, filled with the Spirit. I'm going to see sick people made well. I'm going to see the church rise. We're going to reach people that are lost like we've never reached them before. Jesus, stand up. I'm done preaching. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on, let's give thanks to the Lord for his word. Okay, I can't finish this without making this practical. Um, when I was a child, I was healed dramatically. I've told that story a thousand times at this church. I was healed from severe burns on my right, right side of my face. And I keep loving that story because the burn fell off of my face. And because the burn fell off of my face, I cannot deny that. I was also healed dramatically of severe migraine headaches one Sunday. I've told you this story. I had severe migraine headaches as a kid one Sunday out of faith. I stopped the service that my dad was leading. He hadn't preached yet. I just ran down the aisle and I said, Dad, I'm having these severe signs of headaches and I don't ever want them to happen again in my life. My hand was all numb, my tongue was numb, and the pain was starting. As I remember it, Daddy put his hands on me and prayed a prayer of faith, and the headache left, and I've never had another migraine headache since. Since I was uh, 16 years old. That's, that's kind of impressive. That's my story. What's yours? Amen. Since that time, I've laid my hands on a lot of people and prayed for a lot of people. Don't look at me like, oh, you all that. We, the, the next level stars. It's not about mega evangelist. It's definitely not about people who have super fancy cars and watches and their own airplanes. It's not. It's about you and you and you and you and you being one. Somebody shout unity. unity. Nothing will separate us. Wave at me. Nothing's going to separate us. Stop. Come on. Come on. Nothing will separate. I already preached about all the silly things. Don't let silly things divide us. We are the body of Christ. I'm also calling us in this time not only to unity in order that we can see while everything is shaken and we're going to this new level. I'm calling you to a greater unity. I'm also calling you to greater prayer. Amen. I'm going to mess with you right now. I want you to get with... You know that community? There's these really cool people. There are some people that can actually go to dinner together and sit at the same table. How many have seen that happen? Amen. What? And there are some people you would never go to dinner because you don't know where they've been. But there are other people you would go to eat with, right? You might even have them over to your house sometime. Amen. Okay? Would you pray with them? Amen. At your house. I mean, like next week. Have some folks over that you know and pray with them. You guys pray for the lost. You pray for a move of God. You pray for whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. You pray together. You say, well, pastor, you need a better system than that. Okay. Acts 2, and they continue daily in the temple courts and in, in prayer Oh, and house to house. They gathered in each other's houses. Pastor, you need to organize this for us. Really? Why do you say you guys just get together and start praying? Stop gossiping. Get together and pray. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. Pray together. Families, groups, small gatherings. And finally... I'm calling you together during this next season to take action. Okay, so here's one of the areas. I want you to surrender your life fully to the Lord Jesus. Okay? How many have struggled with this, surrendering your life fully to the Lord Jesus? It's like I give him this. You know, I gave him tithes. What more does he want? He wants, he wants the other 90%. You understand the symbolism of that, right? He wants your life. I want you to take action. I want you to surrender your life to Jesus. I want you to embrace, say this, embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands like this. Say, come Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence. Use me. Use me. 
Send me. In the name of Jesus. Now while your hands are up, use me. Disrupt the darkness. Let me be light. Preach the gospel through me. Call me. Send me. Use me. Let the sick be made well. The broken be made whole. Let the word of God be proclaimed through my mouth, through my work, for your glory. In Jesus' name. I said all of that for this crazy little title. The best is yet to come. Somebody praise God with me. Shout it. The best is yet to come. Shout it. The best is yet to come. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, you should do it. Don't mess around. Just give your life to Jesus. Say, how do I do it? Tell him. I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. And in your heart, don't just tell people. Also, let your heart follow suit. Love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love him. And then love others. Anybody giving your life fully over to the Lord Jesus today? Anybody just surrendering your life fully over to him? Just say, I'm fully surrendering my life to Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll pray for you for that. If you're sick, we'd like to pray for you that God would heal your body. Online, text us. Let us know what your prayer needs are so that we can pray. Let's celebrate our unity. Could we do that right now? Look at these cool little communion cups. If you open the bottom of them, you get the bread. Somebody said, that's so much better. <laughs> you can shake them up if you want to. I don't, I don't know if that helps, but God's shaking us up. So, The bread in your left hand or bread in one hand, the cup open in your other hand. Okay, hold the bread up. Hold the bread up. Look, look, look. Hold the bread up. Look at me. The body of Christ. Say it, the body of Christ. Now look at someone else. And say the same words, the body of Christ. What? So the body of Christ. I will not be in bitterness against anyone in this body. I will walk in great forgiveness. I will move in spectacular grace. I am a full participant. I am in Christ. And Christ is in me. Receive the body of Christ. <laughs> Russell said, for your healing too. By his wounds, you are healed. Jesus, Jesus. Somebody singing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, sing back there. Somebody sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing, go ahead. Get my mouth full. No, sing. Hallelujah. And we are the body of Christ, and we receive the blood of the new covenant. Now, I'd like to say this differently. But this is what Jesus said. And he taught Paul to do it this way. He said, this blood, this is my blood. The blood of the new covenant poured out for you. For what? For you to receive. For you to be a part of. For you to be cleansed. Not only we, the body of Christ, but we separate ourselves from all sin and celebrate our cleansing through the blood of Jesus. Take and receive the cup. So I'll give him thanks now. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We praise you for who we are and for what you have accomplished in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for greater unity than we've ever had before. If you're standing with some family, some people that you're al allowed to be seated with, just grab that individual by the hand, all right? If not, just lift your own hand by yourself. But if you're, if you're with somebody, grab somebody's hand. Let's lift our hands up together and let's shout, we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We say, come Holy Spirit. Say, come Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. Do miracles through our lives. Let your word be proclaimed. Let your will be done. Let your will be done.
Jesus' name. Stay where you are. Some of you who need prayer, I want you to come up front. Even if you're just confirming your faith with the Lord, if you have any prayer, I have prayer workers that will meet you with masks right up here and come to my right. Look at me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. God bless you all. God bless you all. You may be dismissed when you choose. I love you all. Can't wait to see you back at Freedom. Embrace one another if you can. If it's somebody that you came with, love one another and go in the peace of Christ. you need prayer, there's plenty up here for prayer. Plenty prayer workers up here if you need prayer.